Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Courtney, and she is going to share her birth stories with us. So Courtney, do you want to just start us off with an introduction? Yeah. Um, So my name's Courtney. Uh, My husband's name is Leland. We live in Utah, and we've been married for eight years. We have five kids. Our youngest is eight weeks, and our oldest is seven. And so four of our kids are ours biologically, and one is ours through adoption. Um, from foster care. Yeah, we're a foster family and we've that kind of we've done that for the past three years, um, kind of alongside having our biological kids. We stay home and homeschool the kids. And Leland works for an insurance company. You guys are busy then with homeschooling and having five little ones, and how fun that your youngest is just eight weeks old. So a fun recent birth story to talk through too. If you just want to take us to wherever you want to start, just take us there and start us off. My husband and I got married when I was 19 and he was 24. Um, And that wasn't like super unusual (laughs) in our culture. Um, We live in Utah, so it wasn't that unusual, but um, it was kind of young to get married. We both come from big families and we both wanted lots of kids. So I got pregnant with our first baby pretty easily. And I found out um, I was pregnant on my 20th birthday. And so going into it, I was like so excited to be a mom. I'd always wanted to be a mom. Um, I kind of had like a people pleasing personality where I just kind of wanted to do whatever was normal. And I didn't want to be difficult. So yeah, I was pretty sick in the beginning. I ended up taking like Zofran because I was, um, you know, losing weight from being sick so much. And I just went with an OB just because I thought that was like the normal thing to do. Pretty early on, the OB kind of started throwing around big baby. I don't know if she had asked or we had just told her, but my husband and I were both pretty big babies when we were born. He was like 10 pounds and I was almost nine pounds. And so we had kind of thought we would probably have a big baby, but I wasn't really worried about it. Um, And then I started measuring big, um, like my fundal height was like four to five weeks ahead the whole pregnancy. And so um, the doctor wanted to do a third trimester ultrasound, you know, to see how big the baby was. And I didn't really know anything at the time, I just kind of went along with that. But what's kind of funny was the baby was measuring normal, um, like an average size. And she said, oh, well, ultrasounds can be off by up to two pounds. So she's probably two pounds bigger than that or something. So then I got to my due date. She had, the OB had kind of been pressuring, like, I hope you don't go overdue. I like your baby's getting really big. So she had tried to do like membrane strips and I had tried everything to get into labor. Nothing worked. (laughs) 
I like had no contractions. I was not dilated at all. Yeah, it just looked like the baby was not coming anytime soon. And so the OB kind of had this conversation where she was like, well, we don't want to, your baby to get so big that it won't, that it won't be able to fit out. So like, I think we should do an induction. And of course, I didn't know at the time that, you know, induction would increase my risk of C-section even more than just going into labor naturally. And so we scheduled the induction for 41 weeks. And like I said, I tried everything like castor oil, walking, like all the things and nothing worked um, to get me to go into labor before that. And yeah, looking back, I think my Bishop's score was really low. Like I wasn't dilated at all and it was my first baby. So anyways, we get to the induction and I had finally dilated like one centimeter. So they decided to start with the Foley bulb induction. So we got to the hospital and we did that. And then they started Pitocin at the same time. And going into the birth, I didn't like want a natural birth. I didn't want to be like difficult. So I didn't even have a birth plan. I was just kind of like, whatever the doctor wants to do, I'll do. Um, the only thing I didn't want was a C-section. My mom had had a C-section with me and I had kind of already always heard about her stories of how horrible her C-section with me was, but she actually went on to have three more kids that were V-backs. So I kind of always knew about C-sections and V-backs. Um, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> um, after a few hours, the Foley bulb fell out and I was at like four to five centimeters dilated and the OB came in and said she should break my water. And so I said, okay, the baby was really high. I think that's part of why I was measuring big is the baby was just not engaged at all. And so she broke my water. And then shortly after that, I got the epidural and I didn't, I wasn't in very much pain at the time. People had just kind of like the nurses, Oh, you, you want to get it, you know, it's going to be painful. So you should get it. And so I just said, okay, and got the epidural and, um, it didn't really end up working very well. There was one portion of my belly where I could still feel the contractions. And then um, after having the epidural, um, I got a fever. And so by this point, it, we had started the induction at like 7 a.m. And it was like probably like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. And they didn't let me eat or drink anything from the time I came in for the induction. So I was just feeling really weak and, you know, hungry and thirsty. And then I got the fever. And so I started feeling even worse around that time. Baby, the baby also started having heart D cells. Um, I think they put like the internal monitor in on her head and looking back, they kind of like really scared me about the heart D cells, you know, but yeah, looking back, it wasn't really like an emergency situation or anything. It was just like a little bit of, of um, her heart rate not being where they wanted it to be. So eventually by like 10 p.m., I was dilated to a nine and we had got the epidural working. I think um, they kind of had to redo it or something. And so I was feeling better and feeling hopeful since I was dilated to a nine. And then... 
a few hours later, another nurse came in and checked me and said I was only a seven. Then this is when they kind of started to bring up C-section and they kind of blamed it on the baby's heart rate. But, you know, looking back, it obviously wasn't an emergency because they just, they said, you can have a couple more. We'll check you again in a couple more hours and see where you're at. So they checked me again two hours later and I was still like at a seven or an eight. And so then the OB came in and said, you know, looks like this induction isn't working. I think your baby's just too big to come out. And I think, you know, we should do a C-section. And so I was like, I was really sad about it. But at the time I was just, you know, so tired and so worn out that I was kind of like, okay. And so at about 2 a.m., they, you know, started prepping us for the C-section. And I remember being really scared and, you know, just disappointed that it wasn't how I wanted things to go. And so the C-section itself... It, it was fine. I, I didn't know about like family centered C-sections or if that was even a thing back then. Um, so we just kind of had like all the normal things like my arms tied down and like the big blue drape. And so they did the C-section and the doctor pulled her out. And the first thing she said was like, whoa, that's not a big baby. And so she ended up being seven pounds, 11 ounces. She was at 41 weeks too. So, so I was kind of, a, I mean, I was upset. And later on, I was like really upset by how things went down. We had a lot of family that came to the hospital. And so my husband went with the baby. They just brought her over to me for, for just a minute so I could see her. And then they took her away. And at the hospital, it's like a really big and busy hospital. And so that kind of factored into the way they did things. It really just felt like it was um, like an assembly line, you know, like I was definitely on the clock. And when I wasn't, you know, dilating according to their schedule, they just did a C-section. And so after the C-section, they kind of, they just left me on the table alone. And I was like naked on the table. And so the whole, the whole thing felt very kind of, dehumanized almost where I just felt like I was just a product in their assembly line and I wasn't really treated you know like a person so that was hard and then it took them for some reason like three hours they kept her in the nursery and my husband was with her um and they took me to a recovery room and I was you know asking to see her and they're like oh yeah we just we'll we'll bring her soon and they just kept kind of kept putting it off. And was there any reason for that? Like, was were they monitoring for something or? I I don't think so. I know they gave like right away. They gave her a bottle of formula, and I think they said that was because of blood sugar or something. But my husband, who was with her, said, you know, they were just really busy and they were just off in the corner waiting until a nurse was free to walk him back to our room with the baby. So then they did eventually bring her and like those first few days, I hardly remember all, just all the medications they give you. I was like, so out of it. And since I had had a fever in labor while they had her away for those three hours, they did start an IV, IV antibiotics. So they made us both, um, 
do five days of IV antibiotics. So we stayed at the hospital for five days. They didn't put her in the NICU or anything. They just let her um, be with me. Breastfeeding was really hard at the beginning. Looking back, I think she was, you know, she had kind of gone through a trauma and I had gone through a trauma and it was kind of hard to get that breastfeeding established. But after we got home, things were better. Breastfeeding was really hard for like two weeks, but um, I was just so determined that to make breastfeeding work, I think partially because of how her birth turned out. You know, I had kind of felt like my body failed, so I didn't want to fail with breastfeeding. And we, since we were just, you know, kind of young and poor at the time, I had help from the WIC clinic. Um, so I would go there all the time and they really helped me a lot with breastfeeding. And so, yeah, after that first bottle of formula, she never needed any more. So I was grateful for that. The postpartum period, it was, it was pretty good. I really loved being mom. We didn't have a lot of support. Uh, my husband was working like night shifts. And so that was kind of hard on me. But I, I mean, I think it was like a typical postpartum period. I didn't suffer from any postpartum depression or anything, but it was, it was a difficult adjustment. Was there anything that you did that kind of helped you process through that birth, just knowing that you and your husband wanted a bigger family or wanted more children? Um, yeah, so that, I felt like that was the, you know, the hardest part of the C-section was thinking of like, oh, this might, you know, we might only be able to have three kids if, you know, doctors kind of say you're only allowed to have three C-sections. And so that was hard. And right away, like the first time I saw my OB after the birth, she was like a really nice lady. She had um, like good bedside manner. Um, but she, I said, do you think, you know, next time I can have a V-back? And she's like, well, you could certainly try. And like, she wasn't encouraging at all <laughs> about it. So I kind of then and there decided like, well, I'm for sure not going to her again. <laughs> But uh, yeah, VBAC was already on my mind. And I just, um, between when my first baby was born and my second, I just uh, was always, you know, thinking about having a VBAC next time. And once I did have my first VBAC, then that brought a lot of healing. And it really wasn't until then that, you know, I felt kind of healed from that C-section. I hear that a lot, actually, that that the VBAC birth or home birth or whatever it is brings a lot of healing because it it heals your body and your mind just in a way that you're not able to until you go through that whole process again. Yeah. Well, take us to that that pregnancy and that labor and birth. Okay. Yeah. So I got pregnant again when my first daughter was about a little over a year. She was like 14 months. And so you know, right away, I started thinking about VBAC. And at that point, I did kind of discuss a home birth with my husband, that he was, I mean, we kind of brought it up, I wasn't like, really wanting to do it, we just kind of discussed it as an option. And we both kind of decided that we would do a hospital birth. And we were both just kind of, you know, scared if something went wrong, we should be in the hospital kind of mindset. But I did decide 
you know, I had started learning a lot about birth and natural birth, you know, and I kind of quickly realized that my C-section was pretty unnecessary. And so I decided I would hire a doula and um, we were at, we had moved like an hour away. Um, So we were at a different hospital that was much more natural birth friendly. And so I hired a doula and um, my doula was actually Julie from the VBAC link. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it was just when she was first starting. So they didn't have the VBAC link, but they had like an ICANN group, I think it was. And so I went to a few of those meetings and when I was pregnant and I, you know, I felt really empowered and, you know, people would tell their feedback stories and I, you know, felt really hopeful that 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 could be me too. (laughs) And so I decided to do a natural birth and even, you know, one reason I didn't really even consider home birth at that time was because I was worried what people would think. (laughs) And so even just doing a natural birth, um, you know, I had a lot of pushback, like people saying, people close to me saying, oh, you'll never last. You'll be begging for the epidural and, and those kind of things. But that just kind of made me more determined to prove them wrong. Good for uh, you. Because that's super <laughs> frustrating when people aren't just not supportive, but they're super negative and say things like that. That's horrible. Yeah. So luckily my husband was really supportive. So once again, in this pregnancy, I was measuring big and, you know, I told the OB my first story. She was pretty supportive. She, when I asked about V-bags, she said, oh, I love, you know, V-bags and attending women who are having a V-bag. And so I felt pretty, pretty good about her being my OB. So I started measuring big and then I was diagnosed with polyhydraminose, which is um, extra fluid around the baby. And so I had to have some extra monitoring for that, like in the third trimester. Um, But then by, I think by about 34 weeks, it resolved itself and her fluid was back down to a normal level. So it ended up not being a big deal, but it kind of added a little bit of stress. So this time I was like a more proactive about I didn't want to go so far overdue and I knew I couldn't really control it, but I did like try to be a little healthier. And I tried to, um, I did like eating dates every day to try and not go so far overdue. And so I, um, went into labor at 40 weeks and three days. Um, and I was just so excited to just go into labor on my own. (laughs) And so it started out with like really like far apart, mild contractions. And so we called my mom to come up and watch uh, my, my daughter who was almost two at the time. But then by like 10 PM, the contractions just stopped. And so we just went to bed and I was kind of disappointed, but then I ended up waking up at like 4 AM with really strong contractions. And so the contraction started like seven minutes apart. And then they were like pretty quickly, like five minutes apart. And we started, I woke up my husband and we started getting ready to go to the hospital. And then by the time we were driving to the hospital, they were like three minutes apart. And so we got there and 
it was around 7 a.m. when we got there and I was dilated to a six, I think. Yeah, and our doula met us there and I was told that the hospital had like water births, but um, VBACs, women weren't allowed to deliver in the water. You could just labor in the water. But when we got there, they didn't have a room with like a big tub. All they had was like a shower tub. So I got in there for a little while, but it, it wasn't great. Um, I was having a lot of back labor. We figured that she was probably posterior. And so our doula was really good. She helped with like doing rebozo and just doing lots of movements. I believe my first my first baby was also posterior, which kind of led to her, you know, me not dilating as quickly with her. And so this time I just moved around a lot and a nurse came in and asked to check me again. And she like accidentally broke my water, though I'm not really sure it was an accident. And I was seven centimeters. Um, So after that, like I started to reach transition and it got hard, but I think this labor, I was just like so determined and I was just so in the zone that I didn't even really care about the pain. I was just happy that things were moving forward and I was really, really wanting to have a VBAC. Um, and so after a little, after my water broke, um, the baby again started having heart D cells and hers were actually worse than my first baby. And the OB came in and she was really encouraging was like, let's try different positions in case, you know, the baby's just laying on the cord or something. And so I got on my, on my hands and knees on the bed. And that was like the golden position where the baby's heart rate was um, really good. (laughs) And so if I tried to like lay on my side or stand up or do anything, her heart rate went way down. But as long as I was on my hands and knees, it was good. (laughs) And so the OB, she was really supportive and she stayed in the room um, from that point on, which I mean, I think I ended up being like three hours and that surprised me just because in my other birth, you know, the OB's just kind of in, just pops in in and out really quick. But this OB was really good, almost like a midwife where she was, you know, encouraging me and, and helping me. That's awesome. Um, you don't hear that a lot. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, and so then Um, They kept checking me and it was kind of like a long transition. Again, I got kind of stuck at nine centimeters after being there a while, the OB, you know, suggested that she could push the cervical lip away while I pushed against her. So we did that and um, it was really painful, (laughs) but it worked and I got, was fully dilated and like the whole time I was still on hands and knees, my arms got super tired, but I just stayed in that position. And the OB was like, yeah, you can start pushing. And I think like the doula and everyone were surprised that she was cool with catching the baby in that position. Yeah. That's also not, not commonly heard of. So that's awesome. Yeah. So after pushing for a bit, there was meconium in the water. So they brought in the NICU team 
Um, I think that's just like their policy. And so I was pushing and it was like, it felt like really awkward because my bum was just kind of in the air and all these people were in the room and I was kind of like aware enough to feel a little embarrassed by that. (laughs) Um, But finally, after like an hour and a half of pushing, she was born and the ring of fire was like nothing I had ever felt before. And that's always the part that like really surprises me with each of my natural births was like how intense that sensation of a baby coming out is. Um, so because of the meconium, I, I turned over and the OB let me hold her and her face was all covered with meconium. So they had Leland cut her cord right away and they took her over, you know, in the same room where the NICU team was and they started wiping her down and I think like sucking her out and stuff. But they said she didn't aspirate any of the meconium and they were still just kind of cleaning her up. And then um, Julie, my doula was like really great. She kept like telling them like, can you do that while she holds the baby? Like mom really wants to hold the baby. And so they did bring the baby over to me and um, finished like sucking her out while I held her. Um, So yeah, I was totally on that birth high after that experience, even though it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but I was really happy with, with how it went. Um, How long was that labor beginning to end? So starting when I woke up, I woke up about 4 a.m. and she was born like right around noon. So about eight hours, I think, seven or eight hours. Then what was the rest of that postpartum time like or after you got home from the hospital? So I did have like a second degree tear and it kind of surprised me how painful that was. I thought like, you know, after a C-section, a vaginal birth is just going to be a breeze, the recovery. And it, it was still kind of painful um, to have that tear, but I was, I was really happy. Um, It was probably my hardest postpartum period. She was born in winter and we were living in like this little gloomy basement apartment. And my husband, she was born on a Thursday and he was back to work on Monday. And so I was, you know, alone with my, her and my toddler. And so it was kind of difficult, but breastfeeding went really well. It was just such a breeze compared to my first experience. And both of, well, all of my kids, I breastfed past one and I went a little bit longer with each. And so um, I always just breastfed them until I got pregnant again. So that was, I was really glad that I still am glad that breastfeeding comes pretty easily and we don't have any issues. Yeah, that this was the time where I, looking back, I maybe had some postpartum depression. It was just a really hard time having, you know, a baby and a toddler, <laughs> two under two. And, and winter yeah. babies are hard. I had a December baby and... I mean, until it started warming up and you could really get outside and go for walks or just get some fresh air or get out of the house a little bit, you kind of feel trapped within the walls of your home. So that just adds a whole nother layer too of not so fun feelings, I guess. Yeah, I agree. So you said you breastfed her until 
you got pregnant again with your third? Yeah. So I breastfed her until she was almost two. Um, I, so my next pregnancy was actually a miscarriage. And so in that, I, I mean, I breastfed her through that, but it was an early miscarriage. Um, but when I got pregnant at that time, we had moved again. And so I started, you know, wanting to have a home birth and, you know, after her birth went relatively well, my husband was, was more on board with the home birth. So we started interviewing midwives and we chose a midwife. I mean, it was really early on and I, I started bleeding and I called the midwife and she was like really dismissive. And I was like, well, can I, can, is there anything you can do like an ultrasound or something? And she was like, no, you just need to go to the hospital. Um, if you want anything like that. So I, that kind of turned me off from home births a little. And so I went to the hospital um, with that miscarriage, but then the hospital was kind of annoying. Like they were, they kept calling me and saying, you need to go to the emergency room because it could be an ectopic pregnancy. And I definitely didn't feel like it was an ectopic pregnancy and they kind of just pressured me into going. And so um, I went and then it ended up not being an ectopic. It was just like a regular miscarriage that was, it was hard at the time. And I was really, you know, had a lot of grief and sadness about it. But then I ended up getting pregnant again like really quick after I didn't even like have a period in between I just was pregnant again (laughs) and so that was my third baby and so when I was pregnant with him I didn't really know what to do a midwife or the hospital I definitely didn't want to go back to that other midwife just because of that experience I think I was a little bit overly sensitive but well uh, No, I think that that's very valid. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't want to seek support from someone who couldn't support me in a vulnerable moment like that, too. That's completely understandable. Yeah, yeah. So I did go back to the OB um, who delivered my second baby. And I saw her for like the first 12 weeks of the pregnancy. I mean, it was just like one or two appointments. Um, And then... I did decide I wanted to do a home birth. And so I had interviewed more midwives and I found a different midwife that I ended up really liking. And so I switched to her around 12 weeks. And so she had a birth center, an out of hospital birth center. She did home births and birth center. And so like still there was that part of me that didn't want to be like, weird or something that I didn't want to have a home birth so we had um had this third baby at the birth center I think it was just kind of like that people pleasing part of me that I knew that some certain people close to me would be upset if I did a home birth and so um, I didn't want to upset them and wanted to do it at the birth center and you said your husband had kind of opened up a little bit more to the idea of home birth at this point? Yeah, so he was on board with the birth center and then 
I'll get to the end, but after the birth, he was, you know, really fully committed to home birth. And he, he was just, now he just tells everyone how much he loves home birth and loves telling my birth stories to like random people, but um, he's, he's really supportive. So yeah, with this baby, the pregnancy felt a lot different. Um, it's, it was kind of crazy to me how different each pregnancy can be. I wasn't really sick at all after I'd been really sick for my first baby and kind of an average amount of sick for my second. I wasn't sick this time. I didn't measure big. There was really no, no issues that I can remember. I did looking back, put a lot of expectations on his birth. Like I thought, Oh, you know, my last baby came four days past her due date. So he's probably going to come, you know, close to his due date. And I thought my, my last baby was kind of a fast labor. So his will probably be, you know, even faster. (laughs) And so I had all these expectations that kind of ended up, well, not happening. And so um, I went overdue with him when I was like, I've reached 41 weeks and was still pregnant and I'd had a lot of false labor, like a few times where I had my husband stay home from work because I was sure I was in labor and then it would just stop. And so after it, like 41 weeks, after a few days of start and stop, I finally, I just went to my midwife and I was like, is there anything you can do to just keep this labor going? <laughs> Um, and so she suggested, she said we could do a membrane sweep and, um, I agreed. I was dilated to a three. So she did that. And then, um, it worked this time. Contraction started. Um, it was about 3 PM at an appointment when she did that. And the birth center was 45 minutes away. So I kind of took the kids and stayed close to the birth center and just took them to a park and Contractions were like 10 minutes apart, but pretty mild. And so we drove home and in the car on the way home, the contractions were like pretty strong and, you know, making me think that it was going to be kind of soon. And so we went home and uh, my sister came over to watch our girls. And then we headed back and drove back to the birth center. And when we got there, it was around maybe like 8 p.m. I asked the midwife to check me and I was still only at a three. (laughs) And so, yeah, by this point, I was nine days past my due date and I just felt like I was going to be pregnant forever. And so the midwife was really nice. She was like, you can stay or you can go back home. But I was still having regular contractions. So we stayed and I walked around with her or with my husband Um, We walked around just like in the neighborhood outside the birth center. And then after like an hour or two, we went back in and contractions started picking up. I started kind of having to breathe through the contractions and she checked me again and I was around six centimeters. So his birth was kind of just like this long blur because I was really expecting it to be shorter and it wasn't. And so I was the whole time I was kind of, you know, disappointed that it was taking so long, even though it really wasn't that long. (laughs) I tested positive for the group B strep. So I had an IV antibiotics 
and I had wanted a water birth, but because of that IV, it just kind of made it awkward and uncomfortable to try and keep it dry. And so I didn't end up being in the water very long. I, they had like a birth stool and a swing kind of thing and like a shower. And so I would just rotate between all of those. And um, one difference was with my second baby, it was, you know, a daytime birth and this one ended up being a nighttime birth. And so that was harder. I was really, really tired. And after like a long time of what I felt were like really hard contractions, the midwife checked me and I was dilated to a nine again, um, with like a little cervical lip, just like with my second baby. (laughs) And so, um, she offered to push away the cervical lip and I agreed and, um, she did that. And then I was dilated to a 10, but the baby was still not fully engaged. And so she was like, you can start pushing, but I didn't really feel like pushing. And so then I stood up right after that and I just felt the baby like come down really far and I knew he was like right there. And so before like early in labor, she kind of asked about what position I would want to deliver in. And I said, well, anything that's not on your hands and knees in the bed, because (laughs) that was kind of a little bit traumatic with my second baby to just have to be stuck in that position for so long. But then when I felt his head right there, I immediately just got up on the bed on hands and knees. (laughs) And and so he came naturally to you at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so he started crowning and I didn't want to tear again. But as soon as he started crowning, it was like so painful that I just pushed as hard as I could. And he kind of just shot out. And so I did end up getting a first degree tear with him, but it was a lot easier to recover from than that second degree tear with my, with my first feedback. So he had a really short cord. And so I flipped over and I couldn't really hold him that well because his cord was so short. The midwife said it was like eight inches tops was how long his cord was. So we ended up cutting it after just a few minutes and then um, I got to hold him. And so that was my first baby that I got to just hold, you know, and not have to let them go. And so that was really nice. Um, They just let me hold him as long as I wanted. And then eventually I passed him off to my husband and they repaired the tear and then I showered And then they kind of just left us to sleep there at the birth center. And so that was really nice. Oh, they also made us breakfast too. And then we went to sleep and then we woke up just a couple hours later and drove home. So his postpartum after my first two, my husband had a different job. So I told him like, I want to just rest. So we kind of made a plan where I was just going to be in bed the whole first week and he was going to deal with everything else. And so that ended up being really helpful. I just relaxed in bed with him. But then um, when he was 10 days old, he got a fever 
and some people in the family had been like sick with colds. And so I knew like it was probably just the kids that had given him, given him a cold. Um, but he ended up having to go to the hospital because I guess they wanted to make sure it wasn't like meningitis or something. And so that kind of put a bit of a damper on our <laughs> postpartum time when I had to be in the hospital with him for two days. But they let us go home after two days. And yeah, his he was a really easy baby. That was also the time when we started fostering. And so I kind of say like God gave us like the world's easiest baby because <laughs> we had so many kids. We had like four under four um, taking different foster placements throughout that time. For anyone who doesn't really know a lot about birth center births, what were some of the big differences that you saw between your VBAC in the hospital versus the VBAC at the birth center? Yeah, so there were a lot of difference. Just um, the biggest thing I think was the difference between the OB model of care and the midwifery model of care where, you know, the midwife really allowed me to make decisions instead of just, you know, telling me what to do. And she would, you know, give me information so I could try and make an informed decision. And, you know, there was no pressure about anything. Like when I chose to get the antibiotics for group B strep, you know, the midwife was, gave me the information and, you know, let me decide for myself. And then also during the birth, I was able to eat and drink and, you know, I was able to walk around and I didn't have to have those monitors strapped to my belly. They just did, um, you know, monitoring the heart rate with a Doppler and his heart rate ended up being perfect the whole time. And I kind of wonder if it's maybe because I had a lot of anxiety at the hospital, um, during my second birth, when her heart, you know, was dropping, I was just kind of terrified, like, oh, they're going to make me have a C-section. And there wasn't really any of that fear. I felt like, um, a lot more in control and that if something did happen that, you know, the midwife would make those decisions with us and we would always, you know, have choices about what to do in, in different situations. Did you end up keeping that same midwife for your next pregnancy? You said she did birth center and home births, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she did. And so after that, after my third baby's birth, I I felt like, you know, it was almost perfect besides my unrealistic expectations, but um, it was almost perfect. Just having to drive home was kind of annoying. You know, it would have been nice to just go to sleep and, and stay asleep. Um, I forgot to ask too, how long was that labor then? So from the time she did the membrane strip was like 12 hours. And so that, but from the time of like active labor was probably about eight seven or eight hours. And, um, I didn't, I, you know, I only pushed like twice. And so it wasn't a long pushing period, like it was with my first feedback. Yeah. And so after, after that baby was born, we did foster care for a while and, um, we ended up getting another newborn when my son was one, we got placed with a newborn. And so we ended up he ended up staying with us for 20 months. And so 
I mean, it was like a, it was a hard emotional thing that I could go into, but um, when I was, so when I was pregnant with my fourth baby, I had five little kids that we were taking, taking care of. Um, and one of them, we ended up adopting. And then that baby, he ended up um, reunifying with his mom just a couple weeks before I gave birth in March. So this pregnancy, I felt like was really emotional just because we had adopted our three-year-old back in October of 2020. And then we had our baby that ended up leaving. And so pregnancy just made everything more emotional, but uh, we we felt like this little baby was supposed to be in our family and it felt like, you know, the right time when we got pregnant with him. And so we went with the same advice, like I said, and, you know, by this point, I feel like I had kind of, you know, grown as a mother to where I just, I feel confident making decisions and not caring what other people think, finally. So we decided to do the home birth. And of course, we had some pushback, but I just didn't let it bother me. And we decided to do a surprise gender this time. All the other ones we had found out at 20 weeks. And so I was just so sure it was a girl. <laughs> and um, he ended up being a boy. But our little girls who were, are now five and seven, they really wanted a girl too. I mean, I was okay either way, but I just thought he was a girl. <laughs> and I kind of thought he was a girl because my pregnancy symptoms matched those of my first two pregnancies where I was pretty sick. And I was measuring really big, which I had done with both my girls. So this time when I was measuring really big, the midwife, she was a little bit concerned because like at 30 weeks, my fundal height was 38 weeks. And so <laughs> I was measuring really big, um, but we did the 20 week ultrasound and like made sure it wasn't twins or anything. And then she offered to do a third trimester ultrasound to see if I had you know, um, polyhydrominos again, or to see why the baby was measuring so big. But I just felt kind of intuitively that that wasn't necessary and that, you know, everything was going to be fine. And so I declined that third trimester ultrasound and she was fine with that. My goal with this birth is that, that I really hoped I wouldn't have like the cervical lip like I did with the others. And so I saw a chiropractor for like most of the third trimester to, in hopes that that would um, put the baby in, you know, a good position. After my belly started measuring big, the, my midwife kind of talked about gestational diabetes, which I declined the test for, but I did just try and eat really healthy, exercise a lot. And so I felt like I kind of took care of myself better this pregnancy. And I kind of had to also for my mental health with all that we had going on, um, just having like exercising every day was helpful for me in a lot of ways. I had two different due dates. Um, the day that I had been tracking my cycle and, you know, thought aligned with my ovulation and then the date of my period and uh, what the baby measured at the 20 week ultrasound was a week ahead of that. So we just went with a later due date since I had gone overdue in the past. And 
he ended up, I ended up going into labor the day before that due date at, at 39 and six days. I went into labor. It started with, well, it started with a lot of false off and on labor, just like with my third baby. And I've heard, you know, the more babies that you have, the more common that false labor can be. So I had a lot of off and on labor a few times where, you know, I thought he would be born that day, but the labor stopped. And then, so then finally at the day before my due date, I lost my mucus plug. And in the past, that's kind of been indicative that labor was really close. And so um, I had kind of sporadic contractions throughout that day. It was a Saturday. So we just kind of hung out and I had had a hard time deciding with this birth if I wanted the kids there or not. Our two little boys who were two and four at the time, I decided I probably didn't want them there just because I thought I might be annoyed (laughs) having them and they wouldn't really care anyways. And then, but our girls really wanted to be there. And so at like 8 p.m. that night, I had my sister come take the boys over to her house and well, sorry, let me back up. (laughs) Um, I had gone on a walk at like 3 PM to see if the contractions would get closer together and they did. And then while on the walk, I kind of felt like a gush and I thought I peed (laughs) a little bit because it was just like a tiny bit. And so I went home And like I changed and then right as I was changing, my water broke like a lot. And so that was at about 5 p.m. that my water broke. And so at that point is when we let everyone know, like the midwife and my sister who would be watching the kids that, hey, it's probably going to be tonight, but we didn't need them to come, you know, just yet. This birth, I had just like a pretty long early labor where the contractions were just about seven to 10 minutes apart, you know, for a long time. So at 8 PM, my sister came and took the kid, the two boys, and I just kind of labored at home, but the contractions weren't getting any closer or more intense. And I didn't know if it was like a positioning issue or what was holding up the labor. So I had my midwife come over. She, you know, felt my belly to feel what position the baby was in. And, and he was in the LOA, like the perfect position. And he was pretty low. So she didn't really see any reason why labor wasn't um, picking up, but she was just really chill about it. Like nothing's wrong. You can just go to sleep or you can, you know, keep do things to try and make labor pick up. And so I hadn't wanted very many cervical checks with this birth just because in the past I kind of felt like I got hung up on those numbers a lot, but she's like, well, we can check you and, you know, see if this is early labor or false labor, the real thing. So she checked me and I was at a four and she said, she told me when you're at a three or less, you can usually stop labor, but once you're at a four, there's usually no stopping it. But I had decided to just go to try and sleep anyways, because it was like 10 p.m. 
And I was worried about getting tired if I had another, you know, all night labor. And so she stayed close by. She had like, has like a van. And so she went out to sleep in her van and Leland and I went to sleep around 10. And as soon as I laid down, the contractions got really strong and I wasn't able to sleep at all. They started coming closer together. It was actually like a really big storm outside. And it was like right when that storm picked up, then my labor picked up, which was kind of funny. And so we called all the birth team, our photographer, and my midwife called her assistants to come over. And by 11 p.m., I was like working pretty hard, breathing through contractions. They filled up the birth pool. After like maybe around midnight, I got in and they checked me and I was dilated to a seven, Um, not wanting to be checked, kind of just went out the window. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to know because it was starting to get pretty painful. And I was just kind of in the pool, hanging out in there for a long time until I reached transition. And I could definitely tell when I did, because I felt like I can't do this anymore. This baby's going to be stuck in here forever. I'm probably going to need a C-section. And I, I felt like, you know, all those thoughts that come with transition. And so the midwives and my photographers also like a doula were um, giving suggestions like, you know, you could go sit on the toilet or you could walk up and down the stairs. And I just felt like there's no way I can, (laughs) I can move or do any of those things. So after a while of just laboring in there, my midwife checked me. And of course I was nine with a cervical lip again. And somehow I had a little bit of strength to be like, well, let's not just push it away. I'll just wait, wait it out a little bit longer and, you know, see if it'll go away on its own. So I labored for like maybe another hour. Time was really, I'm not really sure on the timelines because I was like really in labor land and not really paying attention to anything else. Our kids were asleep and I had told my husband that I wanted him to wake them up, wake our girls up for the birth, but um, he didn't. And so it was just us and the birth team. And I was being kind of loud and the midwife, you know, said our birth pool is in the living room and the couch was right next to it. And she said, you know, you can just get on the couch and I'll, I'll push away the cervical lip. And I was like, no, I don't want to scream so much that I'll wake up the kids. <laughs> so we went to our bedroom and I laid on my back like flat and she kind of did it uh, much gentler than it felt in the past. Um, she like pushed on my cervix through like three contractions instead of just doing it all at once. And so it didn't feel quite so bad as it had the other times where it was like the most painful part of labor the other two times. So she pushed the cervix and I pushed against her and the baby started moving down a whole lot. Like, I think we all kind of knew that if I pushed a little bit more, he would be born right there on the bed. But she knew that I had like envisioned a water birth and wanted a water birth. And so she was like, do you want to keep pushing or do you want to move to the tub? And I said, I'll, I would move back to the tub. And so 
I was able to like waddle back to the tub with his head like right there. And I got in and um, I was like on my knees, kneeling over the edge of the tub. They had said, okay, just push and your baby will be here. And I said, like, I don't want to (laughs) push. I just want him to come out. And um, right as I said that, I felt that um, fetal ejection reflex where my body just started pushing him out. So that was the first time I had felt that with any of my births. And that was kind of a crazy feeling. And, you know, once again, his head started crowning and all the intensity of that. And so the midwife knew that I wanted to catch him. And so she said, you got to flip over, like flip over now so you can catch him. And so I flipped over onto my back and pushed the head the rest of the way out. It was a long time before the next contraction. So we have some pictures where his head is just kind of hanging out in the water. We didn't know if he was a boy or girl. So I just had felt feel the head and my husband was crying and everyone was getting really excited about meeting the baby. And I was still kind of just in that uh, painful part of labor. Um, but finally another contraction came and pushed his shoulders out and the rest of his body. He again had a pretty short cord, but not as short as our other son. And so I held him like right on my belly and I was able to catch him myself. And so, yeah, then we checked and saw that he was a boy and I was just so shocked. Uh, I couldn't believe it (laughs) because I had told everyone, like, I know it's a girl. And so that was kind of an exciting surprise. And so they let me just stay in the pool for a long time. And I had told them I wanted the baby to stay attached to the placenta, you know, just for a few hours, not for a long time, but I had just wanted that more natural birth of the placenta. And so after a while, they suggested that I get out of the tub and I lay on the couch and then um, push the placenta out and they just put it in a bowl and I just held the baby there for a long time. Since we thought it was a girl, we had no boy names. So he remained nameless for a while. And I was just, I was just so happy that one has the, my fourth was definitely my best birth, just changing my expectations a little. I kind of just went into it with much more of an open mind. Anything could happen and not trying to be caught up in timelines. And then he ended up coming on his due date. So, so that was kind of surprising. How long did that labor end up being? So he was born just before or at like 2.30 a.m. And so from the time my contractions picked up at 11, it was like four hours. But from the time my water broke, it was closer to 10 hours, I think. I also meant to say um, after that first baby, you know, where they said she was too big, she was seven pounds, 11 ounces. And then my next my first feedback was eight pounds, 11 ounces. And then the next baby was eight pounds, 13 ounces. And so I was kind of worried that they kept getting bigger. Um, And with this baby, especially measuring pretty big, he ended up being eight pounds, nine ounces. So a little bit smaller than my other VBACs. What were some of the differences just 
from earlier when we you were talking about the differences between the hospital and the birth center what were some of the differences that you noticed between the birth center and then having a home birth yeah so going into it you know i didn't think there would be much of a difference because it was the same midwife and everything but it ended up feeling like so much different like the whole atmosphere of just being at home felt really peaceful I don't know, just something about being home, I think, made the labor feel like a little easier just because I was more comfortable. And, you know, early on in labor, just being able to like lay in my own bed and we kind of just hid away. And and when we tried to sleep, it was like kind of like that was what my body needed to get labor picking up. And so, so yeah, I really felt like the the home birth was definitely the best of all all of them and um the midwives were really great um I hadn't really felt like eating during this labor I drank a lot of Gatorade my husband was like giving me sips of Gatorade the whole time and yeah it was it was just a different feel and then after the birth when I could just be, you know, tucked into my own bed and all the kids slept through it. So even though I kind of wanted them there, I was also a little bit grateful that we didn't like have to get them back to bed or anything. I felt like it was a little less rushed, like with the birth center, since we knew someone else was watching our kids, we kind of felt like we had to get back quicker and go pick them up. Um, But this time it was just the whole thing was really relaxed. I just went to sleep after the midwives cleaned up everything and left. We went to sleep for a few hours and then all the kids woke up and came and met their new baby brother. And it was because of COVID. If we had had a hospital birth, it would have been a lot different. Um, Like the kids wouldn't have been able to meet the baby right away. Anything else you can think of that you want to add or any advice for women who are just kind of weighing their options or maybe trying to decide between that hospital birth center or home birth for their VBAC? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was a lot of fear that kept me from doing the home birth. And once I realized that, you know, I wasn't responsible for other people's discomfort or disapproval or anything, I think that's what, what helped me to make the decision to just have the baby at home, which is kind of what I had always wanted uh, deep down, but had just not considered it really. And so we, my husband and I, we just tell everyone, I mean, everyone who considers home birth that they should definitely do it. It's just such a different birth experience for me. Um, A lot more intuitive and a lot more natural and And peaceful. And like you were saying, just in your own environment where you already feel comfortable you don't have to worry about like at what point in labor do we need to leave to get to the location that we're giving birth in time and afterwards you just get tucked into your own bed and you're there with your family and it's just so much more family centered yeah it was it was definitely the midwife was like so great I mean I was pregnant for most of or part of 2020 and the kids could come to all the appointments and the ultrasounds and it was just it was a lot more family centered than 
than the OB even before COVID times where they kind of like discourage you from bringing your kids. Well, thank you so much just for being willing to share all of your stories and insight and and all the just the things you've learned along your journey and all the differences between all your different birth experiences. I appreciate it a lot. Oh yeah. Thank you. I totally listen to the podcast all the time. I like found it the last couple months of my pregnancy. And so I listened to every episode (laughs) as I would walk and it was really, really helpful. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of the home birth after cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.